is up, Internet? Am I a mistake? Yes. My name is Matthew Kroll. <laughs> and my doll's ears fell off in the washing machine. My name is Shahir Dowd. So did your tact. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Won't You Be My Neighbor, the Fred Rogers documentary. It's funny because you are my neighbor. That is true. Yeah, we are. Uh, we are. Neighbors. Neighbors. Yet. We should. <laughs> I wonder if we're polite in the way that Fred Rogers wants us to be. Oh. <laughs> Maybe for the most part. I mean, you don't show up and we don't. Uh, well, we haven't yet. The summer has just started, but we don't uh, have a kiddie pool that we then wash our feet in together. Oh, that would or be Or like nice. to cool our feet, which would... we could actually, we should have done it I mean, right we, here. We could what have... people don't realize listening to the podcast is we play footsies the entire time. Right, but if it was in water. Oh, that would be erotic. It'd be nice yeah. because oh, no, it wouldn't okay. be erotic. It'd just be nice. Did you learn nothing from the film? Wait, what? <laughs> uh, hi, everyone. <laughs> welcome back. Welcome back for another week. Welcome, welcome. I'm going to go with this John Oliver so, thing that yeah. I've been accused of it a couple of times. Um, and uh, this is going to be unusual. Matt, I've noticed something unusual kind of about you this week, which mm. is that uh, a big dinosaur movie opened up and not a peep from you about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, Jurassic World did, did get released, didn't it? It did get released and, and not a peep from you. About, I, I, and I'm not saying that pejoratively. I'm just saying like... You're surprised. I'm surprised that you weren't like... Like pushing for it, or you like is radio silence about? Uh, I think arguably the biggest movie that's come out this week. I have my priorities this mm. week. Uh, I wanted to make sure we did. Won't you be my neighbor? Okay. It just so happened that that the last sort of available moment was this week that that Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom came out, and it actually took me even a second to think of what the subtitle was for that. Right. Um, I've not heard great things. I'm yeah. still going to go see it in the theater. Um, I feel like it's a fun movie that I would enjoy. I don't know if we'll do it. Um, okay. I mean, I, 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 it, I don't know if there's, I think I kind of want to fall a little bit in your camp, Shahir, and see it and then see if there's stuff worth talking about to it. Right. Because from what I'm hearing, it's big, dumb and loud, and there's not a lot to talk about, but we've already done the first one, which was big, dumb and loud. And there was, I think a decent amount to talk about, but more the, the, the discussion and go back to listen to our Jurassic world review, um, was more on like, you know, redoing that franchise for today and like sort of comparing it back and forth and how it's a different monster from the original and blah 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 but if this one feels very similar to that one yeah but also another film that came out this week that i i haven't heard a peep from you about is in the incredibles 2 i here's you know what (laughs) let's talk about the incredibles 2 so the incredibles i really enjoyed the first one um I, I don't think, I don't think, it, I, I wasn't wait. I mean, if I was waiting for a sequel, I was waiting a long damn time. Right. Uh, I don't care. Right. Is that weird? I just I, don't well, care. I feel like, and this is just going to be a little bit of like personal psychoanalysis. Oh, here. let's do it. But I just feel like. Normally I have to pay for this. <laughs> um, when you had to do the Avengers all 30 hours of that, I feel like it took something out of you. <laughs> I, I feel like something got taken away from, like like something went into that room that didn't come out. Well, I mean, I, I, the snapping <laughs> affects us all in different yeah. ways. And I think perhaps uh, my, my thirst yeah. for certain types of cinema may have um, dissipated momentarily but don't worry just like in the next avengers film it'll all come back okay um no it's just a just a mild observation that these these were the kinds you know like i'll do you one better i just realized that ant-man and the wasp come out comes out next week right like i didn't it wasn't didn't even on your radar not on my radar right i saw movie bob friend of the show movie bob Mm. uh he, he did his review of it and i was like oh Oh, yeah that's coming out cool (laughs) um no i am excited for that film uh, but to be honest, Shahir, 
this was the film that I was most excited about in, in all of my movie, uh, you know, internal monologuing uh, <laughs> before we went and saw it. And, and, and even for the, the previous couple of weeks, we were trying to figure out where to work it in. And uh, yeah, so I re- I'm very happy we will be discussing Won't You Be My Neighbor today. Okay, good. Uh, I want to get to some emails and some uh, some reviews that have been left for us just to kind of uh, catch up and on, on some housekeeping since I am the house cleaner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as always, you can reach us at at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. I have a rather long email here, which I'm I'm going to paraphrase, but it's from a friend of our show, friend of the show, Jacob, uh, who we love having on, who uh, requested that film Tramps that we did earlier in the yep. year, and he appeared on our top 10 list as well. Um, uh, Jacob is someone I really enjoy uh, chatting with on uh, Twitter. I, I feel like I know him, and then I just, it's one of those things where I was like, oh, actually, I don't really you don't actually, know. He could I, be anybody. I actually don't know you that well, but I, but I do enjoy our conversations. I enjoy your <laughs> observations on Twitter. Uh, he uh, basically tweeted at us saying, I am going to have a, w- a few words with you about hereditary. Mm-hmm. And I, and I of course tweeted back like I always do with a, with a gif of the rock, uh, a gif. Is it a gif? What it's do we a gif. It's a gif, a gif of the rock saying, come at us, bro. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and come at us. He did, uh, with a very long email. I loved this email. I loved reading it. So thank you so much for that, yes, Jacob. I can't you. read the whole thing out, obviously. Uh, uh, but on, we read it, but we definitely read it. Uh, I read it a few times actually, and I did respond to you via email, but I wanted to kind of talk about it here because maybe somebody else has some, uh, uh thoughts and opinions about it. Uh, just again, I'm just going to paraphrase it as best as I can. First and foremost, let's talk about expectations. As you already know, like you're here, I do not watch trailers. I don't go out of my way to avoid trailers on average, everyday flicks, but movies I have an interest in, I'll avoid them like the plague. A24 is by far my favorite distribution studio, and they have uh, a 90% success rate as far as when I enjoy. So going to into Hereditary, the only thing I knew about this movie was A24 plus horror plus Sundance and South by Southwest praise. That's it. Basically, as blind as possible. That's a good math equation. Yeah, that is a pretty good math equation but oh no i left the theater heartbroken (gasps) not because of anything within the film but because the film was nowhere near as good as i was wanting it to be Mm. it was a fine film i didn't dislike it but honestly after so much anticipation a fine film is almost worse than than if it were flat out garbage it's the biggest letdown I've had in years. Wow. <laughs> uh, again, there's lots of uh, great observations here. I'm going to just go through a couple of them really quickly. First things, multiple things fell sh- short. First and foremost, I didn't find this movie scary at all. Technical aspects were all great. There were numerous shots that I thought were really clever that I loved. The soundtrack was off-putting unnerving, but it never fully meshed with the movie. Okay, so that's the first thing. Wasn't scary. Second thing. I also feel like this movie bites off way more than it can chew. It hmm. goes down many path, but paths, but always turns back around before reaching the end. They throw multiple aspects of, uh, into the film, but never fully flesh out a single one of them. Mother's grief and loss, similar to the Babadook. Yeah, sure, but it doesn't take a front seat. Now, um, this is... Actually, I'm not going to read the rest of this because this does get into spoilers. It goes trigger. into nitty, 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 nitty gritty. Yeah, mother's grief and loss is something that happens in the first few minutes, so we're not going to. Yeah, that's not a spoiler as well. Um, overall, this movie didn't shock me, it didn't scare me, it didn't leave me with a feeling of dread. It kept me entertained for two hours, and it didn't, and it disappointed me. <sighs> uh, it left me feeling cold on the inside, not from what I saw on screen, but because I was so uninvolved emotionally. I didn't care what happened to anyone. I didn't care about the family, the characters, or their outcomes. And in big bold letters, change my mind. 
Huh. So, Matt, uh, if we recall, you, uh, if you haven't seen Hereditary, uh, I highly recommend that film. Um, so I am gonna, I'm gonna attempt to change sure. uh, Jacob's mind on this one. Um, but please go back and listen to that review, Matt. Um, refresh our memory on your thoughts on Hereditary. So, uh, and, and this is gonna be, this is the most sort of interesting thing I think I can say about it. Um, and and side note, ladies and gentlemen, you may be hearing some fireworks in the background because it's around the Fourth of July. Not quite; it's it's a couple days away. <laughs> I was just uh, it could have been the fireworks between you it and could me. Have been, just again, sparking. We, this is why we need the foot pool. <laughs> yeah. um, just so you know, if you hear any booming sounds, that is that is coming from right outside my wonderful window. Um, the the interesting thing I think about my thoughts about Hereditary is. I haven't thought about it much since we did the review. Um, so what I say right now might counteract or counter contradict what I said there. I think it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. I think it. W- I agree with um, with Jacob in his analysis of like it's trying to do a lot of things at the same time, and mm-hmm. I think some of its stuff is more effective. For instance, the family loss and grief I think is one of its strongest points, and that alone had me just involved yeah. and um and I was into it. Now, have I given it a lot of thoughts mm-hmm. in a in a post watching it and reviewing it world? Not really. Okay. Um so I get the fact that it doesn't uh it, it's not uh sort of doing it in that regard for him. I know he's such a an avid lover of cinema. I think I don't know. Very few horror films actually do stick with me like that, so I don't even know if that's a if that's a if that's a negative point I can actually put to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's good. I think if you like horror, you should see it. I can't blame you at all uh, for not liking it, but I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it does everything it sets out to do, and probably a little more. And maybe that extra is kind of what makes it feel off. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you if you want to try to convince them, be more than welcome. But I don't think I have the ammunition. Okay, uh, I'm. I mean, I you know the thing is, uh, I I respect Jacobs. Um, uh, movie watching abilities and and the breadth of movies that he watches, and that I I am actually very envious of the fact that he see I he 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 sees a lot more movies than we do. Yeah. Um. And and he is probably you know there's a list of movies that he loved that are you know like there are many of them that I wish we'd seen and reviewed but we just haven't gotten to. Yeah. Um. I I do disagree with this idea that it is uh, a disappointment and possibly the biggest disappointment of the year, given you know um. I'm trying to think what movies we've had this year that have been. I mean, Deadpool 2 for me was a disappointment. Well, um, you're a disappointment <laughs> to me. Yeah. Uh, Ocean's 8 was a disappointment. So, you're you know, double. Um, those kinds of things. Um, but, 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 you know, apples and oranges. Uh, the, the thing that I think is interesting here is the way that Jacob started this email, which is, has to do with expectations, which is the expectations of this, of A, this genre of the studio and, and feeling like those expectations have been met. And I think one of the reasons I think I don't watch trailers is that I want to go in with as li- little expectations as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and 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 just allow myself to be surprised by the movie. And sure. I think, I think reading your email, there was a sense of you know wanting expectations, especially from the studio that gave you the witch. Um, the the other point there that uh, that Jacob mentions is the sense that this film does a lot of different things, and he's absolutely correct, and I think you're correct as well that it is a it's a movie that has many different tangents upon it. Um, the one thing I would say is that I found all of those tangents really strongly connected, and they were connected by the thing that you said, which is that the emotional family drama is at the heart of all the different stories this film mm-hmm. is trying to tell. It is about grief, it's about loss, it's about depression and the weight of depression um, that and guilt that can that you know a family can burden you 
you with, you know, hence the title Hereditary. Um, and I think everything that happens in the film is connected to that. So if you didn't find that strong and impactful, <laughs> then then not a lot is going to work because that is the backbone of this film. Yeah. And and I've had this, for example, on the film The Shape of Water. I didn't I didn't find the emotional. Oh, that's interesting. You know, like the 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 emotional center of that film didn't really connect with me, so I found that film. Uh, didn't quite resonate. I did appreciate it as a good film. I just found myself not quite connected to it. So I think you can have that experience as well as this thing about um, uh, a lack of scares. Yes, I agree. It's not a it's not a particularly jump scary movie. Um, I did find it terrifying once you know the breadth at which the horror exists in this world. I'm trying to do this with as few yeah, spoils yeah, as possible. Um, so I found that scary, but not in the kind of... I find, like, for example, The Exorcist scares me not because of jump scenes, but it scares me because the thought of a young girl turning into a demon and the possibility of that happening scares me. But it, it's got, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre scares me, not because of jump scares, because of the idea that there's this family out there. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? I get that. It's things that get under my skin. I do think, I do think though, the, the, the type of scares in this film are very The Witch-esque. Right. That's what I'm that's what I'm a little confused with because, because he liked the witch a lot. Yeah. yeah, and 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 I had my own issues with the witch. I, I overall I like the witch as well. Yeah. Um the witch. Yeah. Um but the 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 level of scares outside of a few like real tropey things like there's a moment where a character is on a ceiling banging their head against an attic door. Um that's not something that would be in the witch, but uh, there's, but, but I'd say 90% of the type of scares in this movie are, are very vich esque So that's interesting. I think, I think maybe the thing there is, is that, um, the witch, you are aware that there is a supernatural presence from the very get go of the film. Whereas in hereditary, you're like, Oh, is this in her head? Is this real? Is this not? Maybe. So maybe that plays into it. I think we've dealt, dwelled on this one a little, uh, uh, for a little while now. Um, I've written J Jacob Nemo back. I loved uh, this email again. Thank you so much. Did for you convince him? Uh, I haven't heard back from oh, him. So, so maybe I'm, you did. Maybe you blew his mind so much. <laughs> I'm guessing no. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> um, but but I again, I really appreciate that email. So uh, thank you for, so much for the Jake, and hopefully we can continue that conversation. Yeah. Uh, Matt, you've got another email. Yeah, this one's a little bit more pertaining to uh, we're switching gears back to the film uh, that mm. we're that we're talking about today. This is from Kirk. He says, "Hey guys, I've been listening to your podcast for the past few months and to uh, make my way through the back catalog, and it's wonderful having someone think, something to get excited about on Sundays." Oh, thank. Thank you. Yeah. We've 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 replaced religion. I thought we replaced Wasteworld. Oh, uh, maybe we did. <laughs> I, I'm still singing the theme song and putting lyrics about the buffalo falling into it. Um, I know you're reviewing the fantastic documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, which gives me all of the feels. I agree. Um, I was curious if you, if you remembered the news from the beginning of the year about the movie Are You My Friend about Mr. Rogers that was in development. I don't know about you, but the whole time I was watching the documentary, I kept thinking that no matter how much I wanted want Tom Hanks to be my dad, who he was cast as, or he was uh, rumored to be cast, I guess, as yeah. Fred Rogers. I don't think he has the physical or vocal qualities necessary to convincingly be Fred Rogers. I personally think the part requires someone with a neutral innocence, or sorry, a natural innocence, more like a Jim Parsons who looks more like Mr. Rogers and possesses um, a vocal qualities that are needed to pull off, that are needed to pull that off. What are your thoughts by, uh, about sacrificing the possibility of a more accurate or potential better performance or a performer who's already guaranteed Oscar nom? <laughs> I think, Kirk, um, I was watching Won't You Be My Neighbor, mm -hmm. and I don't 
want that movie at all. Okay. So so something about all any biopic, like a like a narrative biopic in a weird way, mm-hmm. is going to try to, because if it doesn't, it'd be kind of odd, to put some sort of drama into the mix. Mm-hmm. Fred Rogers' life and the things that are interesting about it are he plays against every possible type of narrative and entertainment and still makes it work based on a lot of things we'll get into when we review this film. When we review Won't You Be My Neighbor. Um, I don't want to see someone playing Fred Rogers. No one in my eyes, based on what I've learned about his story, what I knew about him in the past, how he's affected me as a person, could really do him justice. And if someone does... It doesn't matter because the story, I, like I know the story, and if you're gonna tweak or or modify or even to the point of like over uh, uh, dramatize something, that's not what Mister Rogers' legacy is about. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I feel like, especially with this documentary existing, um, "Are You My Friend" or whatever it was going to be called, uh, is redundant and unnecessary. Okay. Um, I let's take it a sip and be slightly more general about it though, uh, and talk about casting of famous people. Oh. So for and also I'm gonna I, I do take slight uh, not umbrage, but I whenever you say take bi- that but when you say biopic, I I was the way you pronounce biopic always makes me go what biopic? Yeah, because that, that that's not the that's not the way those two words are connected hey, in agree my to brain. Disagree. Yeah, agree to disagree on that one. So, um the I, I think an interesting thing here is that um there are obviously roles that are predestined in a way to uh, attract actors of a certain caliber because they allow that actor to kind of like stretch their wings or yeah. doing uh, you know like doing something like Mr. Rogers, everyone is going to think you're either a great actor or a not great one based upon how how much they recognize you in that, recognize that person in the role. Yeah. You know, for example, um, anyone, you know, uh, Nixon was a role that uh, that a few people, Anthony Hopkins has played and Frank Langella has played. Uh, and Frank Langella, I think, did the most amazing thing because he doesn't look anything like Nixon. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, he sort of doesn't really sound like Nixon, but he manages to conjure the... The, the essence the, of what we think Nixon is. Yeah, exactly. And it's sort of a, it's a strange, beautiful thing. Um, so I think... Um, Tom Hanks doing the part. I can certainly see an actor of his caliber. If the you know the the the, the his personal persona, uh, you know uh, Tom Hanks as a sort of all around nice guy seems to align pretty perfectly with Mister Rogers. So I think that there's a there's a sort of a natural um, connection there, you know, between actor, you know, at least the actor's personal life and who the role is. I feel like that's a false equivalency. Um, it's. I, it's not it's not like the reason to see the movie, right. but, I, but I can see in the marketing of the movie that being a factor. Like yeah. you wouldn't, for example, get William Defoe to play Mister Rogers. No, or you, get, wouldn't, you know what I mean. From a marketing standpoint, from a mainstream thing, that is the kind of trickery and not trickery, but that's the kind of maneuvers that they would try to do in order to get this to have people see it, have it be a little bit of an Oscar sort of uh, thing for them. Like that's all fine and good, and I get that marketing side of it. Yeah, but again. Because of the subject matter, it makes zero sense on a personal level for me. On a business level, to to sheeple people into theaters, yes. But but you can't. Are you saying you can't see Tom Hanks doing this role, or you just don't care if Tom Hanks does this? Role? I'm saying I don't think. I think the that it's a very like. 
oh man, Mr. Rogers was such a nice guy and everybody loved him. This is studio head voice I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, I know. This who, is, yeah. who, who else is so nice and everyone loves him? Tom Hanks, great! Like, that's what I think yeah. happened and yeah. that's sort of where it went. I mean, or, or even if that's not what happened, that's what uh, it feels like because, again, you know, you look at Fred Rogers and you look at his life and you look at who he was doing a, 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 a narrative drama ish type thing feels disingenuous to what he was doing unless now here's the deal. Let's, let's see if I can flip it around and make it into something that I would, uh, would think is a, is a boon to the Mr. Rogers legacy. If it manages to get more eyes on the type of person and belief structure that Fred Rogers had, yeah. maybe that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure Fred Rogers has had the reach Fred Rogers is going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I could be wrong, and and I have been surprised in the past with things that I was naysaying. But it just feels like an unnecessary thing. It feels it 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 just smells a little bit like a weird and corporate name recognition grab. Everyone knows who Mr. Rogers is. Everyone knows who Tom Hanks is. Let's make a movie yeah. like that. It, it's it's a paint by numbers thing that I think re- has a incredible chance, incredibly high chance to sort of miss the mark about what Fred Rogers was about. Um, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I think the thing that's interesting that we'll talk about in the documentary itself is that we are in this. Well, let's talk about the reason why Fred Rogers matters right now. Sure. Um, but we'll talk about that. And I think I think the thing you're describing is, for example, when Tom Hanks played Walt Disney uh, in the movie Saving Mr. Banks. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of feels like that. Or when Johnny Depp played um, uh, Jack Sparrow. No, uh, sorry, the <laughs> the author of Peter Pan. I'm going blank. The movie was called Finding Neverland. Yeah. Um, Ewan McGregor is doing a film right now. Uh, he's Christopher Robin, though. He's isn't gonna, he? yeah, he's gonna be playing the guy who, who wrote Christopher Robin. So, it, or oh, no, know, he's playing Christopher the, Robin, the kid. Yeah, yeah. So you. You kind of it kind of feels like that sort of thing. Um, I, I you know uh, because of this email from Kirk, I kind of did a, a, a sort of thing. I, I liked his suggestion of Jim Parsons as well. Sure. I think that that makes sense. It was obviously it's w- at what age do you play Mr. Rogers and what the script is going to require yep. you to do. Um, I I found an article that I think the film is going to be based upon, uh, written by Tim Jonah uh, Junad uh, Junad. I don't know how to pronounce that. He was in the film uh, as well. He was a journalist in the film and he wrote this article and I think the movie is going to be based upon that. So it's based upon like one uh, section, one small section. uh, Is it around the PBS thing? Um, That's the drama I would probably point No, it, well, it might be, yeah. I'm not too... Uh, the, the article is really interesting. It's in Esquire magazine. It was published in 1998. Yeah, I'll check it out. Um, check it out. It's really, really interesting. Um, the, the thing I thought about was like, who in history would I think could play Mr. Rogers? And, and the thing that uh, jumped out to me was, uh, I, I think Jimmy Stewart, Jimmy Stewart, uh, would make an excellent Mr. Rogers. He seems to have all the mannerisms that, like, of Mr. Rogers kind of does inbuilt. He? Yeah, I think he kind of does. I think it wouldn't be too far of a stretch for that. The other person I thought of in history that I thought would be interesting was Peter Sellers mm. uh, from, you know, and thinking about his performance in uh, being there. Um, so, uh, I I I like to just kind of reserve judgment until the film comes out. I like the filmmaker that's behind uh, the um, the film that's coming out, a woman by the name of Marielle Heller. Um, she's got a film that's coming out uh, shortly about a writer, uh, and it stars. Oh God, I've gone blank on this actress's this- name. Um, uh, she was uh, in Bridesmaid, um, the the one the breakout star of Bridesmaids. 
and who played Sean Spicer on SNL. I'm going completely. Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Okay, he's, he's that was a long way to get there. I know. I know. I was like, <laughs> where? I just couldn't think of names. I'm really bad with names these days. Um, at, at any rate, wait. Uh, this is the director. Sorry, I was a little confused. This you're talking about the director who's slated to do the Mr. Yeah. Rogers movie is doing a film currently. Uh, yeah, she's got a ah. film coming out called, uh, and it is called. It is called Can You Ever Forgive Me? There we go. <laughs> there we go. And she directed a couple of episodes of Transparent as well. Nice. Um, so I, I'm going to reserve judgment on it until, until it comes out. I think it's an interesting idea. And I have a different opinion about this uh, from you, which I think we will get into when we sure. do the review. Also, uh, Kirk, thank you so much. Kirk also, ladies and gentlemen, uh, gave us a wonderful iTunes review. So if you'd like to uh, email us, talk to us, get engaged with us, please get us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. And, and if you like what you hear, head over to iTunes and drop some reviews just like Kirk did because uh, Kirk is our hero. You sound like if you like what you hear. If you like what you hear, um, also, we are going to be doing, uh, speaking of sort of people have requested things over the course of uh, the years that we have done this, and we are going to implement a system to clean up our backlog of requests to get sort of and then and then streamline our request process we don't want to streamline it yet because we don't want to get inundated before we get the backlog of promised films we said we would review yeah i i sincerely apologize we we made a big deal about requesting you know people sending in requests we've done as me, a few of those requests with there's, there's a number of them we have on actually a, done on a tear we did we did pretty well for a couple of we, like weeks and we get like these chunks where we're like yeah. oh we got time but um, uh, but it's been hard to you know because there are movies obviously that we want to get in the moment as well as they're happening so we want to like obviously capitalize on those so the request gets put on the back burner but here's what we're going to do here's our here's our promise to you first off we are going to definitely clear out the backlog of requests yes uh, we might do that in this way which is that we're going to do a couple per in single episodes so we might do like two or maybe three episodes of of just full featured requests and you'll get like two or three of them per thing kind of like a lightning round. Yeah. Um, and that will hopefully get us clear of all the requests that we have right now. Then I think we'll imp implement a slightly more regimented system where uh, we will get uh, there's only one there'll only be one way to like submit an official request, yep. which we will have to honor by a certain amount of time. Yes. Um, so again, we're just trying to catch up. We really, really 100% appreciate all those requests. These are all films we want to see, and and it's uh, what we, what I love about the requests is I know uh, that as you request them, you know that um, there are things that. Matt and I will probably <laughs> differ about. So so I love that these requests are really specifically tailored for us. We are and, just pawns in your <laughs> sick game. Yeah, and we are uh, absolutely delighted to to engage with that. Of so course. Thank you so much for those. Also, here's another thing. If you have an idea for the show, for instance, if you'd like to see show notes or you'd like to see, you know, a, a way you think the streamlining of that process could be or any sort of like production-y thing, I, we're 100% open to that too. Onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you want from us. We just want to be loved. <laughs> Please love us. Please love us. Speaking of being loved. Yes. Okay. The movie that we're here to talk about. That's right. We're 26 <laughs> minutes in. Maybe that production note will be like, hey, guys. Hey, guys. Can, can you get talk to about the fucking movie. movie. <laughs> Won't you be my neighbor? Matt, quick question. Up yeah. front, right away, before Won't You Get... Uh, well, I mean, in, in the vein of Won't You Be My Neighbor. Uh-huh. Did you grow up watching Mr. Rogers? A hundred percent, yes. Okay. So you grew up the whole time, like... Yeah, tell, but, tell me about Mr. Rogers, because uh, I did not. Okay, so Mr. Rogers, it's interesting because Mr. Rogers, um, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was a program that 
was still on when I was a child, or if it wasn't, it had just finished and I was watching recent reruns. But then, like, they just kept playing. They just play. Mm-hmm. I, I even like the 70s stuff and like they whatever like they would just play it on syndication on PBS or different places etc and it always felt so different from every other piece of child content on television to me and it was always a breath of fresh air um even when I was young you didn't find it boring when you were young no. like switching from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to Mr. Rogers not not really because okay. it was as I think I'm learning a lot in my in my later years in life, mm-hmm. um, it was a – you need to have moments of excitement and rest. The way – I mean, music and any sort of – like any sort of activity, you – to enjoy it the most, it's supposed to have like peaks and valleys and sort of rests and reprises and then like really plow forward. And Mr. Rogers was always such a welcome uh, – vacation from the bombardment of of speed and slapstick and basically selling me toy lines through rudimentary stories told in cartoons mm-hmm. uh mr rogers and i and i even remember when i was a kid getting flack for liking mr rogers from other kids mm-hmm. uh also from my dad huh. damn you dad um no it it's uh the, Mr. Rogers, as we'll get into a little bit, has a different pull and 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 a unique pull, and one I had had not seen at the time before I saw him, and one I have yet to see again. Um, that can speak to not only children but people, and this is going to be a broad statement: people that still have the ability to think like a child. And what that I mean is sort of like creatives, people that can sort of get involved more in an emotional side of things. Um, and and he, he brought something to the table, uh, even when I was little, that I knew was different and important because the man took the time to explain hard shit simply. And then even though it was on a television screen, give time to what equated to listening. Yeah. Whoa! And we're getting a fireworks display right now. You can hear it maybe for the wonderment uh, that was my childhood. Thank you, Queens, for doing that. So, so I did grow up with Mr. Rogers. Okay. Um, and I, um, I, I appreciate growing up with Mr. Rogers. I actively uh, gave the television the bird when I saw that Fox News article or the program that they even roll in this about how they're like, Mr. Rogers ruined a generation. And I was just like, you fucking slow news day pieces of shit. <laughs> um, yeah, so I did. And I think I am a better human being for it. Okay, so I, I didn't grow up with Mr. Rogers as well. Um, the I guess the first couple of references to Mr. Rogers that I kind of was aware of uh, were in The Simpsons where like they would play episodes uh, where Mr. Rogers gets drunk or something like that. Sure. And so it was kind of, and, and in, in my mind as well, I kind of equated Mr. Rogers to kind of being somewhat um, treated in the same breath as like Ned Flanders was on The Simpsons, mm-hmm. you know, like someone who was inherently good but made fun of for their overt goodness. Sure. Um, but as I've gotten, uh, you know, like now I'm a parent and I'm looking for content for my child. Uh, and one of the things that I definitely, uh, st- not stumbled upon, but sought out was, uh, the basic continuation of his show. It's called Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, uh, which is an animated version of, of what oh, uh, wow. Mr. Rogers used, uh, used to do. And so 
my my son watches that. We watch that, you know, maybe once a week or something like that. Um, I didn't I'm, even know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a, basically the the Mister Rogers brand has continued. Uh, PBS has you know like you know commissioned these, this additional show for it as well. Is the art is the art in that show similar to the art? Uh, no, in the it's film? a fully animated show. No, I know, but there was animation in this film uh, with uh, Daniel the Tiger. Uh, he doesn't look like Daniel Tiger the puppet. Okay. No, no, it's it's much more polished. It's much gotcha. more akin to a car- cartoon you would okay. see today. Um, it's very, uh, yeah. And, and and the one thing that's consistent between the two is it's very much about your feelings and how it's okay to feel this way or that way, to be angry, to be scared, to be lost. Uh, I don't know if my son, who's two years old, is kind of really picking up on the the, yeah. the narrative stuff. But we try, you know, we try to like. Uh, have him watch an episode and then talk a little bit about it, you know, like talk a little bit about, you know, like if it comes up. So if he gets angry or something like that, it was like, Hey, remember when we watched that thing with Daniel Tiger Mm -hmm. and it was okay to be angry, you know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and the song for Daniel Tiger's neighborhood is just on loop in on our Sonos. My kid wants to hear it. Is it still like to the same tune? Like, it's similar. It's similar. Yeah. But it's like, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Okay. So it's still got the same. Yeah. And it has a lot of the same elements, has the King, the queen, the trolley, everything. Oh, wow. Um, so it's a lot of fun. I, but I, you know, I, I didn't grow up with the, with Mr. Rogers. And I think the thing that's interesting about this film is I think, uh, the memory of Mr. Rogers is conjuring a particularly resonant strand of cultural re- relevance today. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously reflected upon our both our political and cultural climate, sure. where Mr. Rogers means a lot. Because I, 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 you know, just into first thoughts of the film, I think it's a fine documentary. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think the the lack of conflict is actually something I kind of noted and was kind of like, Oh, I I'm this documentary feels a little bit like uh, a sort of general information piece that you might get. It it felt like an extended version of 60 minutes. You know what I mean? Felt like an episode of Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Yeah. And I I think I didn't mind that. Uh, I just, it was like, Oh, I, you know, but what was more important was seeing this person who strive to do good. And and the thing that I think we see kind of reflected maybe in the Me Too movement, you know, is this sense that our public figures have public accountability. And the one thing that, I, you know, like, had this documentary been made, say, 10 years ago, sure, you know, um, I think there would be a bit more of an emphasis on trying to figure out what the real Mr. Rogers believed versus believed versus, you know, like uh, his character and what the distinction between those two things were. Now, I think the thing that's interesting, and I don't mean, I don't mean that there is a difference because the thing that this film kind of highlights is they didn't seem to be one. That's the thing. I I honestly think if there was one, even in this climate, oh, it would have fucking been there. Yeah. And it's it's not there. And, 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 and I think that, so it's kind of, it's a strange thing because this is a, the absence of the things that we would kind of expect from a documentary of this kind um, are the things that make it radical. And that is reflective of what was radical about Mr. Rogers, which is that like he was, you know, and I, I went back and uh, all of Mr. Rogers seasons are available on Amazon prime. Yep. So you can watch them. So I went back and watched them and I was like, Oh yeah. You know, he watched all 1,756. I watched two, <laughs> <laughs> but that thing about um, um, basically allowing a child to have a moment to 
think and to breathe. And and the word that you used is exactly the word that he used, which was that to avoid the bombardment that TV can cause. Yeah. You know, it's not slapstick. It's not comedy. It's just allowing a child to be a child. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that is radical. Um, and, and, and in that I'm singing this film's praises, obviously for that it is, it is, um, and this came up in our, um, you were never really there, uh, review as well, which is that sometimes a film's offer you, offers you the antithesis of what you think a film of that type should offer you, you know, documentary things like this would offer you kind of, um, I, I would expect some sort of conflict, yeah. you know, some there's, there's very little conflict, even the, even like Mr. Rogers high points in his life, you know, the, this getting up to, to, to bat for PBS, for mm-hmm. example, is kind of done very matter of factly. It's, yeah. it's done very much like, you know, there's no sort of like major tension about it. It's just, he got up and he gave this thing. Whereas like, if you were doing this documentary documentary 10 years ago, you might structure that to be the very last thing, yeah. you know, to like to, to reflect on it. So I, I think it's radical in that respect. I don't, you know, I, I, the film, you know, is a little bit like a 60 minutes doc, you know, like, a, like an episode of 60 minutes, mm-hmm. a little bit longer. Um, but, but that doesn't mean that it's not affecting. And it is deeply affecting because of the place we live in now. And I think after we get through your first thoughts, I want, I want to really dive into yeah. what Mr. Rogers means now. So, I mean, first thoughts about the film, uh, first and foremost, I'm not crying, you're crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, 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 my face was on full leak mode uh, most of this film. Um, it's, it, it comes to me that where I'm like, the, the, the sheer lack, and I, I, I saw it once, I saw the entire, you know, the entire film, the sheer lack of conflict. There's one or two very slight moments where you think conflict might enter in and then it's just not treated as conflict and it's just sort of another matter of fact thing about his life because his whole existence was about being matter of fact. Like the the documentary I think followed his what he wanted out of media mm-hmm. uh greatly. <clears throat> I think um I lo- First of all, from a from a structural standpoint, we all kind of I mean, I felt like I knew who Fred Rogers was. So like none of this was shocking mm-hmm. or surprising or or the the interest point for me. What really got me was all of the interviews. Mm-hmm. And and it's interesting because, you know, all documentaries have interviews and normally there's like one or two standouts or like there's something, you know, whatever, especially when it's about a person. But the way that this may like. It was the most blatant I'd seen the way that the people speaking about Fred Rogers, how Fred Rogers had affected them and affected their way of thinking mm-hmm. uh, was you, you just got you just you just could feel the difference that this person made in their lives. Even so, Yo-Yo Ma is in the film. He's mm-hmm. he's it was a, a, a guest on Mr. Rogers Neighborhood and then event, an eventual friend. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the first time that uh, he spoke to Fred Rogers and, and, and Fred said something along the lines. He like looked him right in the eye and he was like, oh, um, you know, I, I really like you very much and I appreciate you being here or something just like super honest, but like dead fucking eye lock, uh, you know, eye contact. And and Yo-Yo Ma's like, it scared the hell out of me <laughs> because he had the ability, even through a television set, to actually pierce into whatever that weird uh, amalgamous, you can call it a soul, you can call it whatever you want, thing that animates a human being and makes a human a human, he spoke to that directly, and it was powerful enough to get across in 
in through television. And so I was that was the only way I had experienced it. I really liked seeing how he affected these people's lives, the crew on the show and his wife and his kids and uh, his his his, uh, his sister. Yeah. Uh, and and just it was so lovely to see the effect that I had. It was it was affirming the effect yeah. that he had on me was the effect he had on those closest to him. And therefore, if his goal was to make you feel close to him and make and, and open up a dialogue and a conversation, even if it's from, from a television set to a child, he accomplished that. Yeah. Um, the minor thing, the, it's funny, the PBS thing, I've watched that many times, the yeah. whole thing. And I actually found the editing of it to be the least effective presentation of that moment uh, that yeah. I have actually seen. It's one of those things when you, if you watch the entirety of it, it makes sense. If you watch like little snippets of it, especially when they build up with the fact that the sinister pastori, I think yeah. his name was, was kind of like all you know, just pretty much ready to like wave this thing away, and suddenly gets changed. Yeah, the pacing of it is off. <laughs> yeah, the just, edit. That's it, an edit issue. Yeah, it feels a little you know uh, underplayed. Yeah. Um. But honestly, other than that. There's a lot of things when describing this film, and and by the way, IMDb describes this film as an exploration of the life, lessons, and legacy of the iconic children's television host, Fred Rogers. Right. So when doing that, uh, there's a lot of things where if you take it, if this was not about Fred Rogers and about someone else, you could nitpick a ton. Yeah. Um, but honestly, that one edit thing about the Senate hearing is the one nitpick I have about this film. This film is, uh, for me... Um, intensely effective and and a reminder of who we can actually be if we or or we how who we can get close to actually being if we if we come at things the way Fred Rogers comes at things and I am 109,000% guilty of not doing that in my life many right. times <laughs> um but it's something that, especially in, in today's climate, in this fucking weird ass d- d- broken matrix nightmare we're living in, that I I I want I want to be on the forefront of people's minds again. Yeah. So this film does that, and therefore uh, I fell in love with it. So let's okay. So yeah, we both enjoyed the film. Please go see the film. Um, I I think it uh, it is uh, it's a wonderful testament. And I think uh, you know my minor nitpick is it has more the the wonderful testament to see it is because of Mister Rogers, not necessarily the film itself. That's a my it's a sure. very minor Look, nitpick. I, I, that's that's um. It's that's, also it also might be a case of being brilliant as a film because it just steps out of the way of being you know of just like showing you Mr. Rogers. I think it's the smartest filmmaking move they could do and 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 in that way do they not get to flex a lot of like cool documentary making muscle? 100% they don't get to, but they know their subject and therefore they are making the best yeah. documentary they can and they do that. It's funny, uh, the director is Morgan Neville and it was one of those things where I I, I was like, I wasn't familiar with his name, but I went through and I'd actually seen a bunch of his documentaries. What was some of his other ones? Uh, 20 Feet from Stardom, which I believe he won an Oscar for, uh, which is about backup singers. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. And, yeah. And then he made another one called The Best of Enemies, uh, which is about uh, um, uh, Gore Vidal and 
Buckley, mm. uh, Fred Buckley, I think his name sure. is. Sure, let's is, go with that. Uh, and their uh, reportage of the um, uh, of the uh, Republican National Convention. Ah. Um, and, and that film, uh, I really enjoyed that one because it's all about conflict. It's about basically a conservative and a liberal sitting in a room debating the merits of what the Republican National Convention is about and the soul of America and seeing them kind of reach breaking point uh, just by, it's, it's it, for, for you and me, it's kind of an amazing yeah. thing to, to, to sit down and watch because it's about how debate functions. Um, and so um, th- there's an interesting thing there um, that you touched on. Um, and I, and I want to talk a, a little bit about personal experiences. So yes, the, the climate that we lived in live in today is one that is predicated upon by a person who takes up a, a large degree of cultural space and political space. Uh, Tom Hanks. Yeah, it is Tom Hanks that I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, no, it is the president of the United States who uh, occupies a large space and occupies a large space where I think his main modus operandi is meanness and cruelty. And, and, and using that to occupy that space. Yeah. I think occupying that space is his one goal. Yeah, and 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 it is uh, there's a degree of, of how much... Uh, cruelty he can inflict upon people through words, through bullying, through, um, you know, through, through his policies. Um, so we live, I feel like the reason why Mr. Rogers matters is that we live in a climate where bullying and cruelty and a lack of civility, which has come up in the last week because of Maxine Waters, uh, and, is is pervasive in our lives, mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, the reason this matters to me is that I'm a parent. Uh, I, I I hate pulling that card because that it's not the most important thing, but I think one of the things that I look to. Uh, if I look at a value system that I want to try and instill in my child is empathy. Uh, empathy is, see, seems to be at the core of everything that I want to you know, teach my child. And I want to tell you a personal story, which is that um, I watched this movie just after I'd come back from a wedding okay. uh, with my wife. Oh, yeah. And we were driving in a car and, and we had, um, you know, this is basically one of the first times we've been alone with each other for a little while. And we bow, got into bow, 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 <laughs> bow. And we got into an argument. <laughs> and we got into an argument and, and, you know, um, and I, uh, you know, like I'll, I'll freely admit this living with me is a difficult thing to do. You, you do not say, <laughs> yeah, you would, you would hate it. Bite your tongue, <laughs> sir. Um, and, and we got into an argument and it was long and it was pointless. And I am definitely the root cause of that argument. And, and I said, and I record the, the end of the argument or towards the end of the argument, I said something that was mean. And I said something that was mean spirited, and I said something that was um, that was um, uh, definitely uh, a disappointing thing for me to have said. Sure, I take full responsibility for saying it. It's, it's not it's not the worst. It's it was no, a no. normal course of an argument. I get you, what you're saying, but you know, but I said something mean, and I and I realized it as soon as I said it. Um, but I didn't apologize for it because I'm stubborn and because I'm an asshole. And we, we went home and, you know, like the thing with, you know, being married is you bicker and argue all the time kind of thing. And, right. you know, you still go to bed together at, at the end of the night. Um, two days later, I saw Mr. Rogers, uh, uh, you know, won't you be my neighbor? And the very next morning, the first thing I did was stop and apologize for that moment. And it was, it was, it was because the documentary made me realize, A, how much of a jerk I'd been, but also the mean spiritedness with which I had engaged in that conversation and how it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of why I think Mr. Rogers is important right now because 
what he's saying, I, I think the most radical thing about Won't You Be My Neighbor is basically looking at the political climate, the cultural climate we live in, and go, it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, obviously um, there are a couple of interesting ways you can take this argument as well, because, you know, uh, Mr. Rogers was a lifelong Republican, a conservative, a religious, a religious person. Uh, I like to think, and I believe firmly and I could be wrong about this, that he would be horrified by the shape of the Republican Party today. Oh, yeah. And, and I think things like the, the child separation at the border would horrify him on just a real fundamental level. And his wife has even said this on, an inter, on a talk show in Megyn Kelly, that, that first and foremost, the thing he would be horrified about is the treatment of children and the lasting impact of being separated from their parents. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, like, it's not just a case of, of being civil. I don't want to diminish... You know, people who have arguments and and you know uh, um, who are resisting against the the current movement and, and how active you have to be. I don't want to suggest you have to be civil. You have to be nice. I'm not suggesting you have to be like Mr. Rogers. Right. But what I'm saying is, Mr. Rogers represents an ideal goal that I think feels like is if we are resisting, if we are fighting back, if we are if we're doing all of this work to try and counteract the the situation we live in this is the goal we should be working yeah. towards is, is getting to a place where rationale, civility, reasonableness, and empathy are at the core of what we do. It's interesting because even going back to your story, we've all been in um, places where like the argument that you described with your wife, where you're going and you're just going back and forth and all it does is escalate and escalate and escalate. And then eventually one person, it doesn't even matter who takes it sort of too far in and it's funny how our brains even get to that yeah. point um and i'm not even i don't even think that those moments in them in in their own way are wrong yeah i think it's almost like a way to not end the argument in the way that like you'd think like i won that argument that's not what i'm saying yeah. it it just puts a stop to it in a sense that it then makes that weird uncomfortable silence and you're just there yeah i think what mr Ro and, and and i would argue that mr rogers would obviously want you to or whoever's in that situation to come back and, and do exactly what you did and apologize and everything but i also think he would not um malign you from going through that and feeling what you felt that then brought you to that space. He was someone that like, while, while civility is an entire hundred uh, percent goal, I think for him, he also was a very large advocate for feel what you are feeling. Yeah. And, but, but what with do you the, do with the mad that you feel, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> but with the addition of, dealing with it yeah. and moving past it. And I think you need to, you have to, it has to happen to deal with it, to move past it. And something that's happening now is all it is doing currently in our political climate and our, in our entire social thing in America, we are just, it's just happening, then happening, then happening, then happening. And then before anyone could deal with it, something else is happening. Yeah. And we aren't having the time to mentally process as a nation yeah. um, the ability to do what Fred Rogers would want us to do and take take the breath, turn the egg timer for one minute and experience what a fucking minute of silence would be yeah. uh, and, and actually move through it. And I honestly think on both sides of whatever aisle we are talking about, it could be a movie theater aisle or it could be the political aisle. You... 
you can get through most stuff if you stop and and not only intellectually but emotionally think about what is happening. And because the attacks come so back and forth, that's something that we have not been able to do. Again, and I'll use the word that he used, that I used, that he used. It's a bombardment yeah. on our entire psyche. And it's a weapon that people know they're using. Yeah. And it's effective. I, I just want... I think the goal is not to never have the moments that you've had, yeah. but to acknowledge them and feel them, acknowledge them, and then uh, not repent. What's the word I'm looking for? Just sort of um, move past them in a productive way with whomever you are having that moment with. Yeah. And that's something that he, it, it, it's apparent in this entire film, that's something that he believed into his core and and strived for in everything he did and taught. And there's a, there's a really, I think the other, the radical side, and, and I think... He comes across in a weird way uh, as almost having like sort of savant-like qualities to communicate with people. Yes. And it, it's, it's savant in that way that it feels wrong. You know, like the, this idea to like talk to people on, on a child, but it actually, but it actually, unnerv- and that's this, this, the, the article with Tim Jonard kind of does that where like Tim Jonard, go, or Tom Jonard, the, the Esquire article kind of goes in slightly cynical talking about the baggage that he carries in his life. Um, and, and you know, like, um, the way in which, uh, Fred Rogers is, is kind of almost feels like he lives in a bubble up against the real world. Like they talk about like walking into New York city and people swearing, but swearing affectionately, but like, you know, something that Mr. Rogers wouldn't necessarily condone or something like that. And, and then realize, and the article kind of slowly allows him to like, he basically, Mr. Rogers just breaks down that barrier with the writer. And it's about this interplay between him and the writer. And at the end of it, like the writer who I, I, I I gather from reading the article, I might, I might be misreading. This was, that is probably not a religious person. Uh, but at the end of it, prays with Mr. Rogers, and it's this really breakthrough moment of like having a prayer with someone, and and that's this interesting thing, which is that I'm not a religious person, but Mr. Rogers' brand of religion, you know, in the way he preached it or in the way he used it, is something I can get behind. And do you know why that is? Because it, well, go, explain to me. I think, and then because it's the same thing with me. It's because he doesn't preach it. He lives it. Yeah. And it's not him saying you need to do all of these things because this is what the good thing is. And this is what a book tells you. And this is what the clergy tells you. And this is whatever, blah, 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 blah. He explains how to be a good, civil, caring human being to children and adults alike, depending on what conversation it is. And he gets you, he gets across all of the wonderful uh, ideas and, and modus operandi that religion says it is based around. Yeah. Without all of the bullshit and it's so wonderful if there was a it's weird it's i was about to say if there was a church of fred rogers i would join it but i think the very act of there being sort of a church of fred rogers of of the style of thing that he he i wouldn't even say he preached the style of things he practiced would would completely negate what that would be it's the it's the antithesis of literally just being concerned with love. Yeah. That's a weird, stupid hippie sentence I just said, but it's a hundred percent true. And he is the best. He is the most wonderful religious figure in yeah. a weird way that I can possibly think of that has been alive that I have witnessed um, a moment of. I mean, there's a, there's a very overtly religious moment in this film, yeah. which is when um, he is trying to figure out how to deal with the, 
uh, political for, uh, blowback of, of uh, segregation. Yes. And he's trying to deal with like um, there, there's a thing going on in the, in the, in the film where in around in the 1960s, they're desegregating swimming pools, for example. Mm-hmm. And um, um, uh, there's this incredible shocking footage, which I have seen before of like a pool owner going to a desegregated pool yep. and throwing chemicals into the water to try and get the black people out or get everyone out of the pool yeah. because he's so disgusted with the idea of there being mixed race in there. And so how Mr. Rogers respond. Now I want to, if someone can check the fact timing of this and make sure that this is actually uh, not just documentary shenanigans, but this sure. actually does line up. Uh, he invites the police officer who's on a show, Francois Clemens, mm-hmm. who's also the first African American to have a regular part on a on a TV show, to come to uh, a, a little p- uh, foot pool that he has, and this is a reference to the joke that we were talking about earlier. And he invites him to like put his feet in the pool as well. And in the most biblical sense, you know, Jesus washing, you know, the the feet of uh, of the uh, of his neighbor, he washes uh, Mr. Clemens' feet. And and it is this kind of like living your religion kind of thing. And I and I think. That was that's an extraordinary thing that uh, that Mr. Rogers did, which was that he was able to distill really complex ideas into their simplest form. You know, like um, you know, like I would be hard pressed to say how you explain assassination to a kid. And I think he did it the best he could, knowing mm-hmm. that the he basically said, well, what does the word mean? Because everyone's talking about this word. He knew that kids are just going to be hearing this word everywhere. So let's talk about the word. Yeah. What does it mean? How does it make us feel? And I think that was just his way of approaching it. I think it's it's interesting because the world is so complex, but mm-hmm. the way we actually feel things is not. It's simple, right? It's yeah. so fucking simple. Mm-hmm. And we get stuck in the fact that we do live in a complex time, but no matter how complex the outside stimuli gets, the reaction that we have as human beings emotionally inside of us for as long as people are listening yeah. and 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 you are um of sound mind and body it is incredibly simplistic if you know how to deal with what when yeah and and he taught that and lived it and also i think that there's a there's a moment he, you you touched on some of the complex things he did a whole week on divorce he did a whole thing week on death he did a thing on assassination and the split I thought this is just a critique of the show uh, and a good critique I love the fact that he would have a discussion you'd go to the land of make believe there'd be basically like he was never there but he was the voice of all the puppets um and the tiger was sort of like him yeah like uh, you know whatever um and then you'd get out and you'd go back and never did make believe mix with yeah. but they both taught you different like the external force of what they were discussing was in the outside world and then your internal monologue or what you were feeling was sort of based around all of the characters in in the land of imagination. And there was one particular moment that I actually remember from being a kid Uh, that this is weird, but let's go with it. Uh, the, 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 my quote from the beginning, am I a mistake? And they do a wonderful duet medley. And I don't want to sort of ruin the moment, uh, because you should see this film and we should leave something for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that is handled is so poignant. And I remember watching that episode, um, when I was younger, I think I was a little, I, I think I was a little bit out of the Mr. Rogers realm at yeah. that point, but I remember seeing that episode and watching it anyway. Yeah. And it was a rerun, obviously. I, I don't know what year it actually came out. And I had always wondered, because I was an only child, had I actually been planned 
or <laughs> was I was I a, a mistake or even a happy accident? Yeah. And um, I don't know if that's I mean, I think that's probably every child thinks that at some point when they realize how babies are actually made and the way the world works. And like, wait, did you yeah. was this the plan? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I kept that inside for a long time. And I don't even know why, because you, you think about it. It's not a crazy question. It just feels emotionally charged, especially when you're young, because you're you're looking for meaning or purpose and everything. And um, the, the sheer idea Especially when you're so small and you, everything is revolved around you. When you when you get that first existential crisis of like, what if I don't matter? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's huge. And I went to my parents and I uh, and I asked them, uh, you know, you know, what am I? Was I a mistake? And it was based off of this fucking friend. And when this was on the movie, I was like, fuck you, movie. I'm crying again. Yeah. The, the and and my mother, I asked them both separately because I as a kid, I was also a logistical nightmare and I wanted to catch people in lies. <laughs> um, and my mother did what you what you'd imagine a standard mother would do. Of course not. We did this. We had this plan and then we got this house. Remember how we had this and blah, 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 blah. And when I and that was, that was cool. And then when I asked my dad. <laughs> uh he's like why you what are you why are you thinking about this and i was like he's, i'm like oh i just watched an episode of mr rogers and then he just told me i shouldn't be watching mr rogers because i was however old i was i was yeah. i was like maybe 10 or 9 yeah. or something and i was like well you're not answering the question he's like well that's not the point and i was like what and then it was just sort of like one of those weird moments that if we had done an interaction that Fred Rogers had wanted us to do, mm -hmm. it would have all, even if the answer was, yeah, you're a mistake. We were really young uh, in, in whatever. And I would be like, oh, okay, because they'd be like, but we're happy you, we have you now. It's, if if that conversation had gone in a in a in a um, Mr. Rogers neighborhood fashion, it would have been wonderful and it would have put it at ease and and whatever. And I've since had conversations, adult conversations with my parents. I know the answer to this. You people don't need to know. <laughs> but um, but but as a child, I remember sort of I, instead of getting the answer, I got um basically maligned for having Mr. Rogers having put that idea, yeah. having that question. So I think. That made me that interaction in particular. So the interaction from seeing the episode to talking to both of my parents to then sort of growing up and talking to them again and even getting to this point, all of that is so important in the development of a human's mind based around how, you know, what, you know, how they value themselves, how they value the rest of the world, you know, just a, a general sort of philosophy of life and no other fucking piece of media that I ever watched that was mainstream enough for me to see as a young person ever did a sliver of what this fucking show did. And I, it's it's super important to me and i know we're kind of getting to the end so i guess i'll just transition this into my final thoughts of this film mr rogers is dead <laughs> and he's not coming back and i highly doubt that anyone will ever be able to pick up the mantle in quite the same way that he did which i think is why on a side note i have such an aversion to an actor even trying because i'm like what's your you're not just don't but there's different exercises there that's a whole different thing mm -hmm. I do think that any way that we can, especially in this climate, reacquaint ourselves with the message of this man and who this man was and how he lived his life and and how how to talk to people mm. is so important 
that this 100% preempted my interest for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Right. It, it 100% <laughs> preempted all The Incredibles 2. Like, when, when I found out this movie was going to be in theaters... And a lot of my friends were like, oh, I'll see it on Netflix. And I was like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Like, go see go see this movie because it's something – I love popcorn. I love schlock. I love garbage. I'll probably have a good time watching Fallen Kingdom. But that's not what life entirely should be about. And I think that goes back to the general way of since he was – and the show itself was such a, a diversion and a, and, a, and a difference from everything else that was going on. Much like my media intake now, I want that again. Right. And I'm not getting that anywhere. And <laughs> and and this film gave it to me and was a stark reminder that there should be more of it. So go see this film and feel fucking good about yourself after weeping out your your nightmare feelings for about an hour and a half. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, I mean, I won't uh, take up too much on my final thoughts. I do and I did enjoy the film. I have you know minor nitpicks about the actual film itself, but they they don't matter. Um, and they're unimportant to what the film is designed to do, which is to remind us about who Mister Rogers was and why Mister Rogers matters. Um, and we are in a particular climate where that in itself is really important. Um, you know, and I, to the point where I don't think this documentary would be making the the waves under the Obama administration, uh, under the world we live in, in the Obama no. administration rule. Um, so that in itself is a radical act. Um, it, 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 uh, it introduced me to Mr. Rogers for the first time and gave me a newfound respect, whereas I think um, probably my sort of uh, cynical self would have equated him to being too much of a goody two-shoes when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I probably would have um, put him in that camp, but this allowed me to see him in that light and and certainly as a parent now that, that that's important. Um, I I want to do something slightly different and I'm, I'm throwing this to Ooh. you at, at the last second. Um, but I, I, you know, I went on kind of like a bender of, of watching and finding out about as much about Mr. Rogers as I can. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, I found this one speech, which I think you will love for, for a couple of reasons. One, um, well, the speech is, is, is Fred Rogers getting inducted into the TV hall of fame. Mm -hmm. It's briefly shown for a a second. I might've seen it at the, at the end of the doc. There's like a second of it. And the child that you're talking about, Jeffrey Erlinger comes out to present the award. And and there's this amazing moment where Mr. Rogers doesn't wait till the introduction is read. He just jumps up on stage. And the way he does it is he's like, oh, my God, it's my friend from 20 years ago. You know, and he's not even thinking, I'm on television right now. There's like a process. I'm right. screwing the thing. He just jumped. Like as soon as Jeffrey Ellinger kind of like comes onto the stage, he just jumps up and he just says, hey, it's great to see you. Because he's like, because that's all he's thinking. Yeah. And I think that's part of that savant-like um, you know, quality he has to communication, which is that like, who cares about television? Who cares about cameras? Who cares about this, this like this precision of you know, very yeah. you know, well-regarded people sitting here and getting applauded? My friend is on stage, and I haven't seen him in twenty years, so I'm going to jump up on stage and hang out with him or say hi. And he gets up and he delivers the speech off the cuff, and I. I don't want to say too much about this speech, uh, and I'm not gonna. We're not gonna play the whole thing. If you can find it, go fry and Fred Rogers inducted into the TV Hall of Fame. But I just want. I think I would rather Mr. Rogers take us out this week because sure. of what he says in this speech uh, that I think is a lovely sentiment and something I think we should think about. Um, and that's you know like that's what this film did for me. 
So, uh, All right, I, we I can knew, do that. Yeah. Um, so, I'll dig it up. Uh, before we go out, before we go out on the speech, obviously email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com and hit up hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. Thank you again, Kirk, for your uh, wonderful email review and uh, for your question for prompting us tonight. Hope you enjoyed the show on a Sunday. Also, Shahir, when you're not being my neighbor, where, where can folks find you? Uh, people can find me at shahirdad.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. Matt, when you're not being my neighbor, where can people find you? Oh, you can find me at uh, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L for my life and works or Emperor M-S-K on Twitter or Skeletor number four pierre easy on instagram also check out extra credits we are rocking it on the youtube machines uh and we are joined by the lovely mr rogers to take us home see you next week well life isn't cheap it's the greatest mystery of any millennium and television needs to do all it can to broadcast that to show and tell what the good in life is all about But how do we make goodness attractive? By doing whatever we can to bring courage to those whose lives move near our own. By treating our neighbor at least as well as we treat ourselves. And allowing that to inform everything that we produce. Who in your life has been such a servant to you? Who has helped you love the good that grows within you? Let's just take 10 seconds to think of some of those people who have loved us and wanted what was best for us in life. Those who have encouraged us to become who we are tonight. Just 10 seconds of silence. I'll watch the time. no matter where they are, either here or in heaven. Imagine how pleased those people must be to know that you thought of them right now.